What's going on, boys and girls? You are probably here for the 2023 men's preview of IPF Worlds. So we're just going to jump into it. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on both. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Go to twowhitelights.com. Get yourself some merch and also subscribe there as well. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. Oh baby, I like it raw. Yeah, baby, I like it raw. Oh baby, I like it raw. Yeah, baby, I like it raw. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah. Give me the mic so I can take her away. Off on the natural charge, bone for yards. Yeah, from the home of the Dodger Brooklyn squad. Who tank killer hubbies on the score? Rain on your college ass disco dome. Will you to even touch my skill? You gotta go to one killer B, and he ain't gonna kill now. Chop that down, pass it all around. And as promised, we got another preview. Of course, if it's IPF Worlds, we split the two episodes. We start off with the women, and we're going to finish off with the men. How you guys doing? By the way, we are going back-to-back on this, guys. It sounds like a new episode. It's not. Yeah, this is a nice, long, four-hour marathon night. Get it all done. Yeah, I'm for it. Still easier than last year. Definitely easier than last year. But 100%. One thing I would like to bring up, though, because I think it's it's uh, you don't know what you got till it's gone. I look back at last year's Nationals now with, like, fond nostalgia. Like, waking up in the morning, and there was powerlifting on. And then going to Nationals, and, of course, you're watching more powerlifting. It was a pretty good day for the viewer. We don't get that this year. It's a much day for the, the media content creators like us, but I, I like that. I would have if I... Well, you were I could doing, not enjoy... I, yeah, you were I could totally not enjoy different. Well, I mean, obviously I was coaching, but I was just, I mean, when I coach, I get way more anxious and like nervous than when I'm uh, actually lifting myself. And so I don't, I did not feel like I got to enjoy IPF Worlds at all last year. I I did it, but it was just one of those things. You look back on a year, it's like, man, those are some good memories there. Uh, Mega Nationals in Vegas and the entire week was just completely dominated by powerlifting. Were we overworked? Yes. Were we dead tired at the end? Yes. Because so much work had to go involved in that. But again, it's one of those... Yeah, at the time, maybe you're a little bit miserable, maybe you're a little bit tired, maybe you're a little bit burned out, but then a year passes and you're like, that was pretty great. It was still something that I, I was something I would do again, but this year it's a little more digestible. We have uh, no Mega Nationals going on at the same time as IPF World, so all the powerlifting world will be focusing on the IPF stage, and we're going to start with the 59 kilo weight class. And Yes, sir. You know, sometimes, a lot of times, actually, we look at this weight class and kind of gloss over it. Um, I mean, this year, we got Waskar competing. You coach Waskar, and I'm just going to say it right now. I love Waskar. He is arguably one of my most favorite people in the sport of powerlifting. And I'm going to always go back to the story of him. I'm meeting him at the Arnold, him being a huge fan of a lot of people that he was meeting, um, you know, just having conversation with Ash, Noriega, yourself, myself, and, you know, talking in the sense like, yeah, yeah, this is my second meet. I'm so excited. 
And then fast forward, he might be on a Sheffield stage when, when like it, it's all said and done. Just you can't, you can't not love that, right? It's like the greatest thing ever. Because the person who's a fan two years ago is now is is possibly getting himself in the biggest stage in powerlifting and is competing at IPF Worlds. I wouldn't have called it. Usually, you don't call those things, but here we are. We're looking at Waskar and. It's uh, it's it's not going to be you know, clean cut easy though. Yeah, I mean, I I if you if you already listened to the women's episode, well, according to Solana and Angelo, I said too much about Natalie. Apparently. You didn't say too much. You just said you were not going to yeah. say a lot, and he did most of the talking. We were just surprised. That's all. Well, I didn't say much about her training and like what was predicting oh, no. and whatnot outside yes. of the one simple thing about training total. Waskar, I, I'm not going to say what he's going to do, but I'll be a little bit more open because I think Waskar's pretty darn open like he's not hiding anything it's very obvious there's two the the number one goal win worlds which frankly i mean i think most people are considering him the heavy favorite uh franklin leone's kind of the wild card we'll talk about in a second because i don't think anyone really knows what he's going to do but if oscar does what he should he should win and so therefore like it, it comes down to can he hit that sheffield total which he did in training um, and he doesn't have that big of a weight cut. We talked about in the past, we talked about the PA Nats preview. He used to cut like 12, 13 pounds and it comes from his wrestling background and it actually wouldn't affect him that much. And now he only has to cut like four pounds. So it's super easy. He's already in Malta. He's there like five or six days early. So it's going to be a really easy transition for him. The thing is though, is yes, Waskar kind of brings light to this class, but what brings, what really brings it all together. We kind of talked about on the women's preview show is you got to have competition. Mm-hmm. We've never had, the 59 kilo class this deep. Um, there's legitimately one, two, three, three, pe- four people who go 600 kilos plus, which hardly ever happens. Um, there's a lot of people who are nominated a lot lower that I actually have nominated way higher. I think there's a lot of wild cards in this class and it's just, it's very, very interesting. So obviously Waskar, he's the heavy favorite. He, he's he, if, if he does what he should, he should win. And the question mark is, does he qualify for Sheffield? But from there, you got Franklin Leon, Wei Ji Zhang, Antoine Garcia, the winner from last year. Um, and then from there, I mean, I had two people really make a big jump in my standings. And the biggest one was Ivan Diaz Campano. Um, he is nominated, what, I think ninth or 10th? And I've got him possibly second. Um, he competed in April and since then has made some massive leaps. He just put up a 590 kilo total and a 589 kilo total in back eight, back-to-back weeks in the gym. The 589 moved really well with more in the tank. Um, and then another person that made some big jumps for me, a two white lights fan favorite. Uh, I I don't know if I'm going to say this. Ishtiak? Angelo, does he d- DM you all the time too? What's the... Ish? What's the... He's from Britain. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. Is he a? F- yeah, I don't mean to say is he a fan favorite or just a fan of the show. He's a favorite. He's a favorite of mine too. Okay, I like. I, like no, I, 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 lo- I love him, the kid, but you know, I'm gonna call him Ish because I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. Brute, I'm gonna butcher it. But yeah, he's a huge fan. Uh, he's been listening for a while, and uh, I think he's really in it too. I don't know. It's just a really deep class. Like outside of Waskar being the favorite that you could argue between Franklin, Antoine, Ish, Ivan, Wei Jing, and maybe even Yuji as well, um, of who's going to be coming in in that second and third spot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
pretty much it's a lot of people who will be battling out for the platform. Yes, Bosco are definitely heavy favorite. We already know his goal is number one to win and then also try to get into Sheffield. Mm -hmm. um, but going from there, just like you said, we have the surprising Ivan Diaz. Surprising because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> um, who is killing it in the gym. Deadlift. He tried to hit 574 and missed that last meet, uh, but he did deadlift 551. So, and then he benched 281. So his numbers are pretty accurate because he competed so recently. And then moving on from there, just like you said, we also have Antoine Garcia, last year's winner, definitely in a really good position. Um, his training looks kind of like iffier, in my opinion, but like just compared to like the last year's training. But still, last year's champion, I think is in a pretty good spot to be battling it out for at least second place. And then, how do you say his name? Ishiak? Ishiak. I'm just going to go Ish. We're just going Ish. Ish, <laughs> ish Nabi. Yes. So you mentioned something really good. Like, when his, his hinged over squat kind of makes me worry because I heard, like, they we went over the squat rules this year or something, and they're like, you can't be too hinged over. So I'm, like, wondering if that would be an issue on meet day, but hopefully it's not. So form is kind of iffy, but besides that, his lifts are also looking really good, too. So you have a lot of good people who are looking strong. Wei, Ziang, Zhang, I probably butchered that. But no, I think you were good also could, Wasn't that bad? Yeah, I think you were good. <laughs> that one, I remember looking into it, and I was like, I don't know if this total is real. Um, I think it might be a fake one. <laughs> I am not sure. Also, he's coached not, by Joe. He's coached by Joe Stanek, and Joe said it's real. It's well, okay. There, he did. Well, there you go. Oh, there you go. I don't know. Yes, I don't know where it's from, but Joe said it was a real total. Uh, a real total, and he said his training's going really, really well. So okay. So I mean, he's definitely in the picture. I mean, the, 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 there's a lot of wild cards. So here. You said Chinese You said Chinese Tepei. That's where you're looking for where yeah. it's from. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's if you get a, uh, if you get all you need is just clarification from a person we know, because that's the other game we like to play in IPF Worlds. Is this a real nomination? And yeah, uh, Joe actually coaches Wei Zhang and Yushi, I believe. Well, yeah, so he coaches well, two people in this class. Well, Joe, yeah, Joe's the underrated um, 59 kilo specialist. Yeah, just but uh, the question mark for me is Franklin Leone. Yeah, so, all so he's he, he's mainly an equip lifter. He was heavily favored to win last year and then didn't show up. That's uh, can't really give a good analysis on that one. So that's where it's tough. If Franklin shows up, he he likely is the favorite for second from experience. I I, I don't know how much he's going to add because one he doesn't post his training. His equip total has gone up, but he's not really a raw lifter. He just kind of has always been around that like 600 kilo-ish total range. I think he could likely maybe get up to like 610 if he has a really, really good day. Um, but that's the question mark. Does Franklin show up? Because uh, I don't know. Like it, it, kind of what happens there. I, mean, I assume he's going to. He's on the roster still, but he didn't show up last year. So uh, even with that being said, though, I personally am really high on Ivan. I mean, if I've, I've got a lot of stuff written up, if you listen to the women's preview show, I talk about what I did with Natalie. I mean, I've literally got between Ish, Ivan, Weijing, Franklin, and Waskar, like an entire breakdowns of like average attempt selection jumps, uh, average miss and makes. I really think Ivan has a really good shot at that number two spot. Um, I, I think, I, I think he's likely going to have a really big pull 
and I think he's going to slip in there. That, that, I think that's going to be one of the biggest like sleepers of all of ITF worlds. The fact that I think number nine ranked nominated 59 kilo is going to get second. Yeah. I, I mean, I would, I would make the argument here. This is probably the deepest class of 59 kilo lifters. Cause you, you know, cause it was always the, um, I, I always forget his name fully. Sergey Fedoshenko. Sergey Fedoshenko, which he's a funny one because like, I was always like, yeah, this guy's a beast. He just kind of dominates his weight class. And then I found out he failed drug tests. I'm like, I don't like him now. And I, yeah, I really, I mean, yeah, frankly, if, if like, I don't like him at all. Should, if was well, two things, one, uh, Sergey just competed and I believe he did really good on squat and deadlift, but his, he's hurt. So bench wasn't good. So one, Waskar may have beat him even if Sergey showed up. Two, yeah, Sergey has a positive doping test, and he's from Russia. So, I mean, surprise, yeah. surprise. So, if if Waskar does what he should, uh, you can you can yell at me all you want if you don't agree. But I'm claim if he does what he should, I'm claiming all time fifty nine kilo best total ever. I'll be right there behind you doing that as well. I'll because be- I'll, one of the things too that annoys me, but I, we can't get around for Waskar to qualify for Sheffield he has to hit 95 percent of the total set by a known doper yeah yeah sucks no, it if sucks that's Sergei, why I don't I don't like Sergey. you know what Sergey you want to, want to say something I'm right here and it's I don't like you I don't like you dude if Sergey did this meet and won he could not do Sheffield because the qualification standard for Sheffield is you could not have a prior doping offense so it's kind that's of silly wild. to me that the qualification standard is off of someone who could not participate in Sheffield. Mm-hmm. So that would first, I mean, again, I'm biased. Maybe I'm not, maybe you all agree, but if Waskar qualifies for Sheffield, I'm calling that the greatest 59 kilo performance of all time. Natural. I'll do that. I'll, 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 yeah. I'll back you up. And if it is biased, still kind of technically biased, but just in general terms, it, it is a funny thing because I, that is bad journalism. I had no idea until um, somebody messaged me. He's like, he tested positive once. And I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, well, now by default, I don't like him. So, yeah, I want Waskar to win. But also, if I'm being completely frank here, um, you know, again, deep weight class, a lot can happen. I'm not going to consider Waskar a heavy favorite. Um, I think it'll, it's 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 going to be one of those great ways to start up IPF Worlds on the men's side. You get a nice matchup here. But I'm just going to go on record. I am not rooting for anyone at IPF Worlds as hard as I am rooting for Waskar. If there is one person I want to win more than anyone else, it is Waskar. And I will do something if he wins. I don't know what that something is, but we got to make something where if Waskar wins, I do something. You take a life-size cutout of Steve to the bars on a Saturday night. If you, we can do that. Also, because I'll be so happy, but also if you can somehow get a picture of you and Waskar in that cutout. If you can can somehow get that going, I will do that. Yes, okay. There we go. I will do it. So wait, if if, if Waskar just wins or if Waskar qualifies for Sheffield? Um, Well, wouldn't he have to win to still qualify for Sheffield? Wouldn't it be like a... Yes, but Double. you can't. You can win and not qualify. Uh, God, that's hard. Um, no, fuck it. Constellation, constellation. I'm doing it regardless. <laughs> constellation prize. I am because yeah, the Sheffield thing's all messed up. I will, I will do that. You heard it here on Two White Lights. Okay, so Waskar, Waskar wins worlds. I'm gonna do a blowout, uh, a life size cutout of me and Waskar picture, and you have to take it to the bars on a Saturday night. Yes. Deal. I'll do that. Hopefully they let me into places. 
I, that's that's one of the other things. But I'll be just carrying around a life-size cutout. Hopefully, I can fit into cars and stuff. But yeah, I will do it. And usually, I don't. These are meant to make me not want something to happen. I want this to happen. That is that is why I am doing it. But okay, a lot of analysis. Probably the most analysis we've ever done for 59 kilos in the history of the Two White Lights. Not even close. Yeah. <laughs> so what's our predictions here? I'll go first since it hits close to home. I'm going Waskar first. Second is really close. My, my biggest issue is just not having any idea what Franklin's going to do and just being really high on Ivan. So I'm taking Ivan Diaz, Campono second, and Franklin third. Okay. Okay. Solana? Okay. Ivan Waskar first. I will get what? Did Solana <laughs> just pick a Steve Denovi coach athlete to win? I'm telling you. Okay, he was actually in my draft pick for like one of the drafts we did. Good point. She was. Or he was. Yeah. I apologize. Like up and coming people. Like he was my pick. So That was before I coached him. It was, but he's still my pick. It was no no no, it was after because you said after the podcast, did you know I coached him? And I was like, no. Oh okay. <laughs> so there you go. Well, if you would have known that. Alright. Alright, so, yeah, so Solana's biased because of the fantasy draft and she wants to win it. Got it. Yeah. Boom. Alright, so Waskar, and then I will give second. I'm going to give last year's winner second. Antoine, and then I'll give Ivan Diaz third. Okay, well, I'm going to go Waskar first, obviously. Second, I'm going to go Wee uh, Zheng Zeng. Game day, uh, representing. And then also I'll go uh, Anton Garcia third. All right, cool. Thank you, guys. All right, next weight class, 66 kilos. If I put you in a time machine, last year this was a heavily hyped weight class, um, probably the weight class I had the worst takes on in my podcasting history. I think I had all-time I, bad takes. I think we will again, honestly. <laughs> no, probably with this weight really class. bad takes here. I mean, yeah, we can predict bad takes, but it's arguably more stacked than last year. Yeah. This it's and so good. are the most stacked men's classes, and it's a legitimate four-way battle. Yeah. I mean, 93 is a legitimate four-way battle, too. I don't think we've ever had that, like, legitimately, especially in the 66 class. Because, yeah, it, Brian Lee, Kyoto, Kasaman, who we're going to get to, I know he has an Instagram, and I could not find it. And this is where it's probably going to bite us in the butt, because neither me nor Solana could find Kasaman's Instagram. I know he has one. We could not find it anywhere to make predictions. But he's made some massive leaves. And then Pana is back. Pana's looking really – that's that's, that's last year I was like – Yeah. Like last year with this entire – I mean, I had I was incredibly high on Joe Jordan. I was – I think I might have called him my lifter of the year very early. I love – Love you. Hey, hey, you know what? I'm sticking by it. I was very confident in that. And you know what? The powerlifting world was too. But he didn't have the meat he wanted. But during that time, I thought that Pana was getting a ton of just heat. Or, I mean, heat in a good way. Um, going into the meat. And I'm like, I just don't see it. His lifts don't look great. He looks hurt. I know that weight cut gets to him. This year, I'm way more confident in Pana. But still, his word is cut out for him. Because Brian Lee looked or Brian Lay looked amazing, just amazing in his last meets. And he is one of my most improved lifters I've ever seen. Uh, he was one of those super erratic guys. Like you couldn't mimic any of his lifts on the platform. He just like, when is he going to have a good meet? 
I don't know if it's a weight problem. I think I said during the Arnold uh, preview that I didn't know like if the weight cut was his problem, and it wasn't at all. He doesn't cut that much to get to 66 kilos at all. Um, he's just a guy who had a hard time executing on the platform. Well, he's executed on the platform, and he's looked fantastic, but then we see uh, Kyoto, what he was able to do at Sheffield and prior to Sheffield as well. He's up there um, with his 66s, and the – the other ones are, are, are mysteries to me still, but yeah, Cast I'm gonna be honest, I literally put it. Uh Casamon had a massive, massive uptick from worlds. 133 pound PR total from worlds to his meet in December. He's from a country I, I'm just gonna say it. I don't care. He's from a country in Th- Thailand that I don't know their drug testing or if there is drug testing. I have no idea. Not uh, too familiar with the tie, Paolo. That's he. He may come in and he could win. I honestly think he could win. If I'm completely incorrect about this, I just it was 133 pound PR total in six months from a 66 kilo lifter is pretty insane. Pretty insane. <laughs> I, I kind of want to see him on the international platform again before I solidify my thoughts on his strength levels. How much did it in sorry, kilos? Not so, sorry, not sorry. How much did no? We hey, this is what we do on two LAs. We speak what's on our minds, and a lot of people, a lot of people will think that if they don't want to say it, they don't have the balls to say it. We will say it if you make a hundred thirty-three pound increase on your total, and you're from a country that we're unfamiliar with. You have to ask those questions. And how many times has it actually happened? Where it's like, yeah, that person was on something. Very true. Um, but. Definitely very excited for Brian, just because, just like you said, I remember commentating with you at the Arnold's in like 2020, last year's Arnold's, 2022, and we were like, what's going to happen? And he missed both deadlifts. We were like, oh, Lord, this is not going well. And since then, like, his deadlift is way more consistent. Mm-hmm. He's more consistent overall as a lifter. He's hitting the lifts on the platform. Yeah. So also, much better. interrupting this a bit, so like that day, just deadlifts didn't go well for him because he was kind of in the driver's seat to win the pro car. So he he was having himself win a hell of a meet, and then deadlifts happen. I'm like, he has a hard time with his lockout. It looks like he just misses balance or does a little bit of windmill action. But I just saw it right there. He was 7 for 7 up to that deadlift, and once he hits that deadlift, he is about as good as 66 kilo lift you're going to get in the world, and he's proved that at Powerlifting America Nationals. I'm, I'm, I'm... stoked for him it's just awesome yeah and um the only little thing and i, I haven't seen him squat recently i know he had issues with squat depth at politics america because that's why he missed his second attempt and he had to retake it so i'm mm. hoping that that is fixed we all know how straight the ipf is yeah but if that is fixed he should be in a pretty good position to be battling off first place and then of course we have kyota and we know what happened with Kyoto, which is he did nationals, got a 15-70 total, a week later at Sheffield, and it did not go well at all. But we can't count him out at all because that 15-70 total was really solid, and he got the world record deadlift there for his country. So he's definitely a strong lifter, and if he has another meet similar to how he did at nationals and Brian doesn't do all he can, he's also battling it out for the podium. And then just like we 
Pessimon, like massive uptick, but like when I have no info, I'm just very doubtful. When I can't see anything and I see something like that, I'm like, I just don't know. It's a question mark. Yeah, he oh, might well, be sorry. might be in the worst <laughs> position ever, potentially. It's like I guess it's like I don't even know, I put him in my top three. And he could win. Just making them look really stupid. Yeah, I, I will say that right I, now though. At least I have this to go back on, like a sound bite. He can win this meet. I'm just not putting him in my top three. I'm probably going to put him in my top three, and I think he could win the meet, but I'm still just going to I, – let me read this real quick to solidify my suspect statement. From 2019 to 2022, he added 12.5 kilos to his total. From 20, from 20 In six months after that, he added 60.5 kilos to his total. He figured out how to brace. Either it's, <laughs> the, it's a massive blow-up, and he's, gonna, he's going to win Worlds and make us all look terrible, or – we're, he's going to come to Worlds and it's going to be a bit of a letdown. I don't know. It's a massive wild card there. Yep. But, uh, Solana, you talked about Brian with his squat. He didn't post it, but I think he said on his story that he hit his he re-hit his best squat that he did in PA Nats training, but better already. Good. Okay. Yeah. So that was like my said, only question depth, mark. Depth is, depth, is a question, depth is a question mark still, but if he even gets close to what I think he probably can hit, which is like 550-ish, if he can get to depth, uh, yeah, I think Brian's got it. Um, I, I still, Kyoto, I wonder how much that, I mean, obviously he knew he was doing something by doing nationals and then worlds, because I, I can't imagine Kyoto needed to push that hard at nationals. Like, I can't imagine at Japanese nationals he needed that total to win. So I feel like, there, there had to be more of like, obviously there's travel, there's more stuff involved going to Sheffield that went into that versus just, oh, he competed the weekend prior because Joy Namani competed the weekend prior to Sheffield and that actually worked out great for her. Yeah, it, I don't so, know. I think it differs for a lot of lifters though. Yeah, I, I, I think if I was to put my money, I think the battle is between Panna and Brian Lee, but I've got Brian edging out because I just don't love Panna's weight cut, and he's tended to miss third deadlifts and not have that same strength on meat day. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, just based on training alone from Panna, he's looking good. He's looking fully healed, and, you know, for me, sometimes his lifts just don't look to standard. I think now they actually look pretty good to standard. Um, it is that weight yeah. cut. He fixed the upright squat thing. He is squatting more upright now. Yeah, that's good that he actually fixed that just for the sake of powerlifting. But he, it, he I think I'm I'm way more confident upon him this time around. And you know the the meme of him grinding stuff and him like becoming the uh, the unofficial meme for it, I think does help him in competition because like at least you know he can hold on for it. You can put on something that he can hold on to and. Um, I think a healthy Pana will be able to stay in position long enough for that grind to actually, um, to actually work for him and uh, possibly get into first place. It, to me, I really, it, top three is very difficult. It can't, it really, any scenario can't happen because I, you're saying, you know, you would bet on it being a more of a competition between Brian and Pana. I, I could see it being a competition between, you know, because Brian at times can be erratic too. Um, it seems it seems to be going well. Cause I, like just he does have a bit spottiness with his competition. But I remember nationals was just a super hard prep for him. Like a lot of injuries, you know, a lot of other things. And it's just like it's it's tough. It was tough for him to 
to compete at nationals. And, you know, it's, it, but we saw what he can do when he's fully healthy and fully ready to go. This one is, it, this one is tough. Just a very tough, uh, tough thing to predict. I want to see him have a comeback. Not when, because I'm from America, but I want to see him have a comeback meet really bad. Wait, which one? Brian or Pana? Pana. Okay. So, yeah, because I mean, I think Brian had his comeback meet to an extent. Pana, Pana has taken a lot of L's too, right? Like, being kind of the favorite to win 66 kilos, I think I would qualify him as the favorite because, I mean, credit to Chance Mitchell. He was telling me beforehand, he's like, Eddie Berglund is the guy we're really looking at, me and Joe. And I'm like, really? Over Pana? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know because if, if there's one lifter I think I'm more negative on than anyone, it's Eddie Berglund. Um, just because the way he lifts, I just, just don't trust it at all. Um, but... He was right in that sense. Uh, so I, I mean, I think so. I think more people who are in the know knew that Pana wasn't going to have that great meet last year. Uh, some people consider him the favorites. Some didn't. Uh, but this year, going in, I think Brian's a favorite. But it would be a comeback for Pana for sure. A lot of L's bombing out at was it Euros? Yep. He bombed out at yeah. Tough, tough go for him recently. So, want to do it? Want to do our predictions? Uh, last person to mention, just because I do have his total within like 15 and 20 pounds of Pana, Yusuke Sataki. Uh, he's doing mostly equipped meets, but the most recent raw one was a pretty good meet. He also hit a 518 by three squat, done at 627, was with straps. So, like, I'm still iffy on it, but overall, he's at least probably, he could potentially be pushing. Pana a little bit. Not really sure. Yeah. Shoot up in the air. Based on last lists. year, based on last year, anyone could really break into that top three on how erratic this weight class can be. Not ruling out anything. You know, I I picked Joe Jordan to win. I believe he ended up getting fifth. What was yeah. the top three last year? It was Eddie? Who was second? Jonathan Garcia. Jonathan Garcia. And third was was that it was Impana. No, it wasn't Pana. So Who was it? there you go, right? Erratic. I mean, Jonathan Garcia being second is pretty fair. Like he would be a top three candidate, I think, for most people. But yeah, it was that one was uh, all over the place. It was a great matchup, though. We didn't put any of those guys in the graphic. That's all I remember. Our big graphics of two wet lights IPF worlds last year was Amanda Lawrence and Leah Bavois. One didn't make weight. The other wasn't even competing for best overall lifter based on her coach's words. And then Joe Jordan first, Bonnie Utis, and Eddie Berglund ended up winning and Jonathan Garcia getting second. So if we want to jinx someone. Toyota got third. All right. So if we want to jinx someone, we have to just put him in a two white lights graphic at IPF Worlds and just completely mess up the performance. Make a quick graphic for Jaja Cobb. Do it ASAP. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just her, leave, just go John Jacob and Bobby that. Butters and leave no out else. Natalie. Just put John, that's it. <laughs> and just leave out Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be great. All right, now can we do predictions? All right, I'll start. First place, I'm going to give it to America's own Brian Lee. Second place, I'm going to give it to Kyoto. And then third, Panna. All right, I'll go second. I'll go Brian Lee first. I'll go Pana second, um, and I'll go Kyoto third. Also, 
Solana and I are representing game day pretty hard right now. So clearly we have a bias towards Brian Lai. All right. I'm going Brian first, Panda in second, and Kasa-san in third. Because I I just want to have him in the top. Because I he's either going to win... He's either going to win last. or not even be or barely be in the top five. It's yeah, you don't want to look stupid. That's that's it. Like what was he? What he was seventh last year. Yeah, keep keep our integrity. That's really what that is. I'm telling you, Steve, he, he possibly just learned to brace. It's possible. I, I you know what? I think Joe put on forty pounds on my total first prep. So it's not, I mean, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not possible. It's just there are certain countries. Um, and the IPF that you question, and unfortunately that's the case. Yep. So I just want to see him on a world stage. If he does this on a world stage, completely done. I have no, I have no question marks. Well, as long as all drug pass, drug tests come back negative, but I, I want to see it on the world stage. That's all I want to see. If yep. he does it, I no questions. All right. Okay. Yeah. Very excited for the sixty-six kilo now. Seventy-four kilo division. And gonna bring this up. Realistically, is anyone gonna be Taylor Atwood at this speed? Yes. Someone who could. is it? Potentially. This is okay. I and I and I said this so because who do you have. I want to hear what. Who do you have? That's the potential person. And this, this is why I asked this I question. By the way, I'm not saying to, I, but I just want to hear everyone else because I'm going somewhere with this. Carl Johansson. Yep, Carl Johansson. Okay, Carl Johansson, world champion. Has won world championship before, junior world champion as well, right? But yes, Carl. <laughs> everyone's probably thinking Taylor versus Kale Backlund because Kale is the last person to beat Taylor. But mm-hmm. I don't. I, one, Kale doesn't post. Two, I don't know how serious he's taking this because he's mainly an equip lifter as well as I, I don't think he's going to add much from what he did in March. And what he did in March doesn't even beat Taylor's not great Sheffield performance. Carl. Taylor's going to have to not only beat his Sheffield performance, he's going to have to have a good uptick, uptick because Carl's, Carl can Carl can maybe do close to 800. Seven, 790-ish, maybe 800 on a perfect day. Carl is good. It, so I think Taylor's the favorite by far, but if you, anyone says Taylor's got it under wraps, I think is incorrect because Carl is for sure in the picture. Hmm. And also, it's like a big question of like, how is Taylor feeling? We saw the six age we deadlift, and that's the only insight we have. We don't pay money to see anything else. So I don't think he's been doing that anymore. <laughs> I hopefully we said enough things where that stopped. <laughs> I did we troll it? I I I mean that's I mean very narcissistic on my end to think that we had some sort of effect on that. But I really hope that's not the case, well, and he has been showing. I was us. told it had nothing to do with us. It had to deal with the fact that. Uh, for the for the for the sake of patriotism, he wanted to discount his top sets to being free for IPF Worlds to really make sure to drive up the the worth of patriotism. Jesus, I knew I should have known it was going there, um, but I all right. In fair to Taylor Atwood's defense here, he doesn't typically post his stuff anyways, right? Like no. going going into any competition, he's always you don't let your opponent know what you can do. I we all have deferring viewpoints on that. Um, we just recently set up to like, oh, people want to see my tops, so they have to pay for it, which I will still to this day say that I I, I just hate it to an extent. But that six eighty three meant something. 
He posted that in wait because it's like Taylor was facing two comp competitors here, or it feels like, and this can be the whole thing of what people might disagree with. He's competing in IPF Worlds, but he's also competing against Austin Perkins. Yep, I agree. People can say it all they want. No, 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 he's not doing that. Atwood could even come out and say, no, 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 he's not doing that. He is competing against Austin Perkins. He, no pun intended, perked up a little bit after he started to post more, started to post more of his heavy stuff after Austin Perkins. Austin's kind of talking his game. Taylor's, you know, defending a lot of hashtags. It's still the Atwood era. I mean, it's not even subtle. It's right in your face. He's now, still Nick competing Manders, against that. Nick Manders said a couple things on a podcast, and <laughs> no, I I completely agree. Because if Taylor doesn't beat Perks total, Perks the best seventy four seventy five kilo lifter in the world right now. Yes, yeah, no fans or butts. No, yeah, for sure. And it's not even. Uh, but but also you have a game competitor too, right? So that's is my thing. I'm like I, I actually yeah because with Carl. And I apologize because I, you know, mix it up with, you know, a former, you know, world champion. Um, I'm positive, though. What's what's Carl's handle? I'm positive I follow him. Tell me you're right now. Uh, but I know uh, an absolute game competitor that can challenge Taylor. Yeah, I know, I know he's coached by Flex. So I, I, go I just completely slipped my mind. Right. But, Same. But with a game competitor and a guy who can total close to 800... Taylor Atwood hasn't been over 800 in a bit. It's been a minute. And it's crazy we're having these conversations, but it's been a minute since that happened. Now we have, you know, potentially three to four people can total 800. So that total isn't quite what it used to be. Where if you total 800, Deadlift, you have... that Miyagi. Okay. There we go. So I remember it was not in the powerlifting, and then I had to find it. Okay. And honestly, the person that I have up there, too, that I think can get top three is coached by Joey, too, and Chun Chia Fan. Yep. That's my next person. That's who I had. I honestly think both of them are going to total more than Kiel will. Because it's it's just all going to be Taylor versus Kiel, or however you say that. I think it's going to be Taylor, Chun Chia, Carl. And then maybe we can see some sneak-ups from Tim Monogatti. The big question mark is... I forgot all about that. Great class. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about Tim. Uh, for a second, I thought he was trolling. I thought I thought he was. I, I had to wait to where he. Did, yeah, I had to take I a week. Just a big weight cut. Yeah, I know. Did he take a big weight cut to eighty two or eighty three? Or I, big enough? I don't know about that, but yeah, I I was shocked when he's coming down. I don't know how that's going to go, but I mean, this class is deep. I mean, obviously Taylor's. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got. We got Stephen Day. I mean, last year we overlooked Josh Wright. He's back in it. Paul Rimbavell, who we talked about last year's top three. Uh, it's interesting. It's just, it's very, very interesting. I mean, I expect Taylor to go 800 plus. I think he will. I think his training is tending enough. I don't think he's injured. I think it's going to, I don't think he's going to be nearing his best, but I think 800 plus is possible, which means he's probably going to win. But there, there's some other people starting to nip at the heels where if he has an off day and he doesn't do what he can do, it's not in the bag like people are going to think it is. Well, yeah, no, for sure. But what do you think he could have told at Sheffield if he didn't take that last deadlift? If he took something more manageable? 785? 790? I'll give him 785. 
Okay, I think that's safe. I I thought possibly seven seven ninety because he took he took a deadlift. I'm like, eh, I don't know if you're gonna hit this one just based on your training and you know how else the day is you know, kind of panned out for him. But so I think that has to be taken into consideration. I think he can put something on to win, and I think we'll know. I, I it, this is my prediction. I think we'll know right away if yeah, it's gonna be a competition. I mean, you could see at openers at Sheffield something was off. I disagree. You couldn't yeah. tell at openers on Sheffield it was off. Nope. Yeah, it was off. It was off from openers. Hmm. I could not tell. But I can tell you what I did feel when he celebrated his second, because Taylor Atwood doesn't celebrate second attempt at squats. That's it. <laughs> that's what I told. That's what I could tell it was off. Yeah, but overall though, it's gonna be a big battle of first two fans. Maybe second through fifth if Taylor goes in. I think he'll be okay for his meet, but at least second through fifth, toss up. Yeah. And then if he's not feeling great, maybe not shoe in. I think he's I think he's a shoe in for top one or two. Like can't see Taylor. I mean, he's a shoe in for top one or two. I think I can't, he's, I can't see I him getting below two. I think he's gonna win. I don't think that's I. He, no matter how many times he calls me the B word. And I'm still going to have to pick him to win here. What? Baller. <laughs> yeah. That's what he yeah. called you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Called you, um, called you a baller. I'm still going to pick him to win. It's just that Carl's up there. But, yeah, it's going to be between Carl, Chun, Kiel. And I, I think Tim is the big question. I, I don't think Stephen, Paul, and Josh are going to have that, like, 1,700 total range, like 770 to 780. So I think Kiel, Chun, Carl – and then the big if with Tim are going to be the four in the two through five that could be in that seven seventy to seventy ninety range. I want to see Tim. I want to see Tim at seventy four kilos so bad. He's got my yeah, curiosity see- up. I don't know. I mean, He's I have done it. He did it in March. He competed at 74 in March. It wasn't good, though, because I think he was he, I think he was cutting into the meat, where now he's been able to actually train. Mm-hmm. And from what I know, he's hit all of his best numbers. <laughs> And matched, he's matched all of his best 83 kilo numbers at his current body weight and training. Okay. So it's possible. It's yeah. very possible. Like he's he's, a, he's an over 800, 800 kilo totaler, right? 8010? Or not 8010, holy shit. 810 was his best? I don't know, I'm not sure. Look. It was over 800. I know he did that because I think when we didn't get to our podcasting, uh, our powerlifting ranking episode, you had him ranked above me and it hurt a little bit. But um, yeah. I'm, I just yeah. I mean, is that and also is that the trend in New Zealand? Just go down to weight class, see just how it plays out for you. He's total eight twelve. Eight twelve. There you go. It's a very good total right there. So okay, uh, yeah. I'm just, the curiosity of that is is high for me. Um, all right, want to do predictions? Any other thing to add with uh, the seventy fours? No. It was not a conversation on how much is Taylor Atwood going to win by, though. That was usually the conversation that we had in prior World Championships, and this one is not the case. There's, there is an actual competition here. Um, okay, I'll start. Part of me just really wanted to pick every American lifter aside from Taylor Atwood just to continue my trolling, but I won't do it. I'll take the high road here. Um, I don't. I just can't see... Taylor Atwood losing in IPF Worlds. I just, I cannot see it. 
I'm not going to use Sheffield as my measuring stick of Taylor Atwood because it's a different meet, different set of circumstances, and I think he's on the uptick from the Sheffield prep to this IPF Worlds prep. And Taylor Atwood on an uptick is still one of the best lifters in the world. Um, do I think he's going to beat Austin Perkins with this total? No. But I, I, I see Taylor Atwood winning. I think he can get close to an 800 total or over 800, and that would win the meet effectively, I think, by 10-ish kilos, 10 to 12-ish kilos. Um, second, I have Carl. Or Cali, I think Cali is a cooler name. It's Ka- I kept saying it. I kept saying Carl. Well, it's I, Carl in the IPF thing. It's... Oh, the Cali. Okay. Yeah, it's Carl. It's Cali it's... actually, but Carl's in the IPF thing. Okay, so I wasn't crazy. No, it was said. It said Carl, and if IPF screwed up, no one corrected them. Cali's just cool sounding, so I'm just gonna go Cali um, with that, and I'm gonna go with my boy Tim Monagati for third. Okay, I shall give. Taylor Atwood first place. I will give Callie second, and then I will give I'll give Chun Chia Fan third. All right, we're all gonna have the same first and the seconds. I'm going Taylor because Rock Flag Eagle, uh, Cal in second. Even though I don't think he's going to come in and like do anything crazy, Kale Backlund is an incredibly experienced international competitor, and he's likely yeah. going to do what you expect. So I think he's going to get third because it, all these people we, we project for what we think could be their best meet, and then like twenty five percent of them do. I think Kale is going to come in and do exactly what we expect, and so I think he'll be solidly in third. Yeah. All right. Well, seventy four kilos. I I I think a definite interest is going to be there. I think people. People are going to be tuning in to Taylor Atwood for, I think, for a different way. Because he is a, I mean, I think Taylor Atwood's always motivated. He always has a chip on his shoulder. He's an ultimate competitor. I think he's going to be more uh, motivated this go-round. Um, but also, there's going to be watching very closely. He has a, per- a person who is, in- inadvertently or not, he has put a magnifying glass on himself. And people are either looking to see him succeed or looking to see him fail. And that is the... The, the reality of the situation. All right, going up, the 83-kilo weight class. Now, um, we have Delaney Wallace being the favorite, had a fantastic meet at Sheffield, um, kind of a slept-on meet in, in, in some people's descriptions of it. You have Jurance, who had a fantastic meet, totaling 820, was it? At British Nationals, was it eight twenty on the dot, or is it more? Yeah, I think it's I think it's eight twenty. Let me check. Eight twenty point five. Eight twenty point five. All right, so a little bit more. Uh, give Jurens all the credit he deserves, given that half a kilo. Um, in my opinion, it's really between those two because you have Edo uh, with an eight hundred total, right? That's what he totaled eight hundred. Is it even or more? I think it's eight hundred on the dot. Yeah, we can uh, we can fact check that really quick. So I. Get it right. 800 on the dot. All right, 800 on the dot. I I think 800, fantastic total, but it's not quite what it once was. Um, I think we had this discussion right after Sheffield. How close do you think it is right now between Jurens and Delaney? Because in my estimation, anytime you're 15 kilos above the second person, it's not that competitive. And I I know from experience because I've experienced this with, with Russ and people are like, oh, you and Russ. I'm like, yeah, I got to get within 10 kilos. 
But again, within 10 kilos, I'll qualify it as an actual head-to-head matchup. 15 kilo difference, I think is pretty high. I mean, I agree. I think Delaney should be the heavy favorite going in. Um, he kind of got that monkey off his back of some sub-optimal performances uh, in back-to-back meets at PA Nats and Worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and frankly, I mean, we'll see if he has more because the big the big thing that he didn't quite show up with at, at, at Sheffield was deadlift because he hit that 750 deadlift in training, albeit I, I don't think that 750 deadlift would count in a meet. Um, but if he can just not go for that and just chip it slightly, I mean, he's – a little bit more on bench because I think his bench training is going really well. He just hit like 420 for a triple. Um, Solana might have a little bit more in, uh, insight. She usually is our Delaney insider since he doesn't like to post. But yeah, I mean, I think I'm agreeing with you. Like, I mean, Jurin's training is going well. He just hit a 678 squat pretty easy, albeit like it, that's not like he hit above his meet PR squat, albeit I, I think that's going to lead to likely a PR. And I think he's going to be able to go at least like two and a half kilos probably on each lift, but I, that's not still not enough to, to tap into where Delaney's at. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I pretty much agree with you. So I'll just say, cause you didn't tell me not to say it. So that's his fault. I saw a 683 oh. squat from him yesterday. Ooh. So it, yes. And it moved well. Like it was hard, but it moved well. And then he like, I was like, it was a weird angle. So I was like, well, how was the depth there? And then he zoomed in and like showed me. I was like, okay, we're good. So Scott moved well overall. And his best train is going really well too. I think Dell is about where it was for the last prep. As we know, he missed the last deadlift. And I agree you, Steve. The knee on the 750, I was like, mm, slightly questionable. But again, I think he can still definitely best what he did for the second attempt at Sheffield. So I think he's in a really good space to be first, and it's kind of his to lose for this one. And then Jurens, just like you said, 15 kilo gap is big enough to where Delaney has to miss now in order for him to like really have an opportunity. Which, so. which, which has happened. I think he, like what C said, I think he's really gotten that monkey off his back and over to the Sneed with hitting those lifts in really big stages, um, especially internationally. I think that was a uh, bit of the struggle last year with South Africa was just, it was an international meet and that was um, kind of the problem. Um, I will say it's with Delaney's last deadlift because I think the goal of this meet is to, again, you kind of put yourself up to a weird position here because if you take that world record now, then it's going to be harder to hit at Sheffield, which the winner of this would be at Sheffield. But I, I think if you're Delaney, you got to do it. You know, he's got that, he's got that competitor dog in him. Where it's like you were close at Sheffield, don't be sandbagging at Worlds. Take that world record and then get better when Sheffield rolls around. Like you got to do it. Like I agree. That's 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 he's, what, yeah, he's that guy. That's the most. That might be the most coveted world record in powerlifting right now, outside of what Jesus beating Ray. Now that Jesus beat Ray, Delaney beating Russ, I think is the most coveted world record. Because it's of different just who when Russ is. it's different when Russ is involved in any circumstance. So, like, if it's just there, you have that. Also great for Team Flex because then you have one and two. And, like, he had, like, Flex will have pretty much the stockpile of the greatest 83s, right? You have Gibb. I mean, you have Hack, Russ, and Delaney. Like, just all destroying it on the international stage. So, it gives Flex a ton of bragging rights. And I know that's a hot topic. Still, the Flex craft rivalry is still going hard. So, you still have to, you know, I, I think that does have a factor in it. Um... Jurens, and also I was going to say with Delaney Wallace's miss, before I get to Jurens, Delaney Wallace's miss was 750. It was a miss, and with training maybe a little bit questionable, but still it's one of those lists where I'm like, he can do it. 
it's not one of those like, oh, he has no chance. Like, it was hitch, ramped, it looked like shit. No. It was not quite there, but he's a person who can do it. I have complete faith that he can put 750, and I will be like, there's a possibility that he hits it. It's not one of those super overreaching things you see certain lifters do. Durins, I think his training is looking fantastic. He makes all of his lifts look easy. He's such a good executioner on the platform. Um, you can rely on, on hitting miss or, or hitting lifts, and he has been on a good uptick. Um, Should have got the credit he deserved last year for getting second because a lot of people crowned Ina to be the second best lifter in spite of him getting third at the, the meet uh, because of that big deadlift pull of that big final deadlift. But Jurens is finally getting the credit he deserves. I think he's in the conversation with Delaney, but Delaney does have to miss, which has happened at Worlds before. Um, Edo, beautiful squat and bench. Deadlift is something he struggles with, but a person who's been making steady progress in spite of what I, from what I understand, could be bad journalism, a bad journalism, a bigger weight cut. Um, and then after that, I, I, and I don't mean to not give too much light on Edo, but you know, it's, what do you see is kind of what you get. I think he can improve his total. I just don't know if he's in that position. But after that, you get 800-pound deadlifters. <laughs> Nick, Manders, yeah. Nick Manders, one of my favorite people in the sport. I love me some Nick Manders. He's just an entertaining gentleman. Also, he has a beautiful deadlift, one of my favorite hook grip deadlifters, if not my favorite hook grip deadlifter. In my opinion, the best deadlifter in the world in this weight class. Um, he could be over 800 and then you have Ina as well. So you could have a deadlift battle there and Nick Manders might be a crazy enough Canadian bastard to load up whatever he needs to win and do try to pull an Ina. I, I would yeah. put nothing based on what I've seen Nick Manders do in the past. I'll put nothing past that gentleman and Steve knows what I'm talking about. So only thing I'm going to say there, I, I don't think Ina's training's going well. I have some thoughts I, on I, that. Okay. I don't really see anything there that leads me to believe because we, we've seen some, a lot of up and downs with him. Um, but with that being said, Nick is one of four people who are very much in that third place picture between Eduardo, Nick Manders, Adam Jansen, who I believe Nick and Adam tied. That's the pull oh, yeah. that Nick made to tie Adam on body weight or tie Adam on total and win on body weight. And then Giannis Pachu from France, I believe. They're all right at this like same like 800 kilo range. Like mm-hmm. that is a very interesting group. Uh, yeah, I mean that I I bias towards Nick. I'm just a Nick fan. He tends to sometimes have issues with attempt selection. Totally. Uh, but I think one of the things that biased me to kind of start uh, going towards him is he just hit a really nice 594 squat in training, which I think is a PR. Uh, he, he just posted on close friends, a pretty nice deadlift, uh, another close friends shout out. Uh, but I think Adam's training is going great too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he benched 441 with a really, really good pause, um, deadlifted above what I believe, or no, just, just right at what he did, uh, in Canadian nationals. I don't know. That, that I think Delaney's it's his to lose. I think Jurens is very solidly in second. If Delaney slips up, Jurens gets first. And then the fourth place spot is between four people. And that's where the fun is. Mm-hmm. And it's probably, it's going to come down to does Nick hit the third deadlift? Cause he's going to load what he needs. Yeah. Um, I can't tell whenever Ina is playing around, he plays a lot and I can't tell if he's just 
yeah, this is how my training's going. It sucks. Also, I just want to point out his quads look just absolutely huge. So maybe he's just saving a big squat for us. I don't know. But I was just looking at him like, I remember when he took the deadlift record uh, in 2020 and he was kind of a string being, string being lifter. He is no longer that. He has put on some muscle on that frame. So I I could approve, I could see an improved total. I just can't tell because I know he posted and people like we're talking about it and like it looks like training's not going well. That kid can miss a seven sixteen deadlift and total eight and then deadlift eight twenty or something. I know he's saying it that again, I can't tell whenever the guy's being serious. So I guess I guess it is my because it's my weight class. I'm always like very skeptical of people if they're not posting something i'm like yeah it's not the entire story don't start telling us that you're not going to do well because i i don't know i maybe maybe it's just me being competitive with them because it is my weight class but i just part of me doesn't buy it and i'm going to look at his opener see what he puts it to and then that will tell me if deadlift training is going well because 7 20 i mean what like you can even put 730 as his opener didn't he open at seven fifty or something last year? Yes. Yep. Seven forty nine. Yeah. Yeah. So if he puts that on again, you know the deadlift's going well. Whenever you open at seven fifty, um, that the even over a flex is going over seven hundred on your opener. But if if you're at seven fifty, you're in a different territory. So, but yeah, third place I think is going to be a very fun battle. I think one and two though are so consistent on the platform. Um, that I, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm pretty confident with those two. And with that being said, let's talk about it. Let's get predictions. Steve, All right. you go first. You or Solana, I don't care. Okay. Just not me. Because I already went. I'm going Delaney first. You're in second. And I'm changing what I originally had. I'm too much of a Nick Manders fan. I'm going him third. I, like, like you said, though, that. Anyone can get third. If Ina goes and pulls 850, I it, I, I wouldn't say I'm, like, overly shocked. It would be un- unreal, but, like, Ina, after the craziness last year with what he did, I have no idea. Looking at his training again, he definitely is just not random. He's not posting things. So I, no I don't one know is. what to expect. But I, <laughs> I like the fact that I, I feel like I have a bit better idea what Nick's going to do, and I think he's got a similar deal to Ina, and I think he's going to load what he needs, and I think he can hit it. All right. Solana? All right, we're going Delaney Wallace first, Duran second, and I will give third to Eduardo Masicelli. Uh, Mas- Masicelli. Masicelli. You were close. Masicelli. No, don't say that. Was, that was a complete joke. That's pasta. That's. <laughs> Solana is prejudice. All right, so. Um, <laughs> I'll have I'll have Delaney as my first. I'm gonna ask a question for you guys later. Uh, Jurens as my second, and Nick Manders, you're making me pick over an Italian. That is not common. I always pick the Italians, and that's how much I like Nick Manders. Hopefully, you can prove me right. I am confident Nick Manders. This go round, also a little bit of a rematch at Junior Worlds. It was a good battle between Edo, Sean Jin, and Nick Manders. Um, Nick gets over the Sneed, goes over 800. I think he wins. Let me ask you this question. Do you think Delaney Wallace has the world record? I think he won't go for it. I think he I, will. I understand why you think he would, but I'm just like, I think he cares about Sheffield too much. Okay. 
So you saying that, even though it's your opinion, makes me mad at Delaney. And it's not happened at all. It makes me mad at him. Like, I would be so... I would be... If after this meets, he says that, and he's like, ah, oh, what it went for the world, I would be very mad at Delaney. I will send him a loud voice recording of me, like, yelling. Delaney has made me made mad in the past. Going to Powerlifting America was the first thing, and then this hypothetical second thing. It's the only times. Not even the times he beat me. I would be very mad if he does that. But I think he can do it. I think 750 is in his range, and all he has to do is match his list at Sheffield and then hit 750. Steve? Or just think? chip his squat and bench at Sheffield and have a lower deadlift. Yeah, that too. I think he can do it too. Steve, what do you think? Yeah. I'm on the agreement with Angelo that I think he will go for it if it's there, but I, I'm not, I, I think he's probably going to be around where he was with Sheffield again. Which is a weird because Russ Russ has expressed interest in doing IPF. Would it be at eighty three? Because then it just puts into a weird situation where it. Yeah, well, because Russ wouldn't. It wouldn't be good for him to go ninety three. He's undersized for ninety three, but he's oversized for eighty three. Ninety is actually literally the perfect weight class for Russ because he walks around at like two hundred to two hundred five. Yeah, so I, yeah. I'm just saying, like, if he decides to go, then it's you know Delaney versus Russ potentially in the you know the IPF side. So I say you get your records when you can. Can't hold, can't hold yeah, it up. I agree. I, I just, I, I hate the idea of it. But all right, moving on to an incredibly compelling weight class. Some of my favorite lifters, some of my favorite competitors, going at it. Ninety-three kilo weight class, and it 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 changes, but then it doesn't change. You know. Because last year, we were talking about 93 kilos as being the spotlight, and it definitely was. You have different competitors involved, different competitors based on their placing. Um, but it's still kind of the same story. Hotly contested, four-way battle for first. And and the fact that uh, we've got a new American coming in and challenging the, the guy who, well, not the world champion last year, but Keiko, former world champion. Like, instead of Chance now, it's Gavin. Does Gavin beat Keiko? And I do have to apologize. I need to say bad journalism. I I don't know when it was, but I kind of said at some point that I thought Gustav Hedlund had kind of lost, uh, uh, lost pace with Keiko and the other 93s and wasn't kind of in that picture anymore. And then he does Swedish Nationals and says, I'm right back in the picture. And his training looks amazing right now. Hmm? So, apology. I don't even think Gustav listens, but I was wrong there. He's back, and he looks better than ever. Uh, and then Emil looks great. Emil obviously didn't have a great Sheffield. He was injured going in. He looks healthy now. He just hit a 660 squat. I mean, he looks very much on track to be able to about match, if not chip a little bit, what he did at last year's Worlds, especially because he's got a little bit more on bench. But, yeah, it's a four-way battle. It's a complete four-way battle. And what's crazy is they all have similar deadlifts. Gustav and Gavin had bigger squats. Keiko and Emil had bigger benches. But then they all deadlift like 750 to 760. All of them. Yeah. All of them. It's going to be insane. It's gonna be yeah. I I think I mean last year it definitely lived up to the hype because you had a great upset with Chance beating Keiko, um and and still just a fantastic competition. I see this year being just as good if not better. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna. Oh uh, yeah! Like again, I'm getting I'm getting happy. I get a little smile on my face thinking about it because it's also just like 
it's very similar to what we're talking about with the 52s on the female side. I just love those two lifters. Like, they hit lifts, and they're going to make it entertaining to the final deadlift. Same thing here. These guys are assassins. They hit their lifts. They're good. They're really good lifters. They're well-rounded, too. So well-rounded. And, like, my big question mark, of course, like, as a Gavin, Mr. Like, burn your ships, like, can he just be a little more conservative with his third attempt squat? Because, obviously, he's known for missing a third squat off of something. Oh, come on, though. That's Sheffield. No, no, I think conservative. Hold on. All I mean, I know he, he never will, but I'm like, what if you just, like, broke the record by, like, two kilos in the squat? And then, because his deadlift had so much left at Sheffield, like, you could just load it. He could just load it. It was like, That's, it looked like a second attempt. It's, it, and it, I'm like, why, why no, it's tough. That's where, eight above it? That's where coaching and handling becomes a thing. Like, actually, call, I, I, I don't want to throw my own coach under the bus here. But it's way harder calling attempts and trying to coach and pick your numbers when you don't have the biggest deadlift. Like, that's where it becomes more of a skill. When you have the big deadlift, you have the ace card, so everything becomes easy. Like, okay, be conservative on your squat, be conservative on your bench, and then we'll just go for it on your deadlifts. Gavin is kind of the opposite, where it's... I, I mean, he's got a good deadlift, but he's not the deadlift specialist. He's not pulling last I mean, in any situation. That, that's the thing that's interesting I, here, though, is since you don't have this chance, agree. no one... Everyone has the same deadlifted. Well, this yeah, but he's much. still not the deadlift. That's what I mean. Last... He's not the deadlift specialist. He's not, but no one is here. That's the crazy part. Since you don't have chance, there's no deadlift specialist. They literally all can deadlift basically the same amount, which is ins- that. That's where this is insanity, and that's where yes. subtotal means a lot in this meet because whoever's coming out off a of subtotal is giving well, you a big idea of who's in the league going into deadlift because they're all going to deadlift the same. Yeah, my point being though is that he, when none of these guys have the like a big deadlift or over the other, you can't be like, okay, I can just rely on deadlift and then just put something on the bar, whatever I need to win. You can't do that when you're super close with everyone. It only applies when you have a deadlift significantly better than the field. So Gavin mm-hmm. has to be more aggressive on squat and bench because he can't rely on his deadlift, and none of these guys can. So. That's and all I'm saying when you're coaching doesn't, and handling. You doesn't always mean more aggressive. It also means that you just have to hit less because you can't yeah, make up for it. If sure. you miss a squat or a bench, you're done because you can't make up for it on deadlift. You have to make it. So it's, I don't even say it's well, I mean if you're if you're really yeah. a specialist and like your deadlift sucks and your squat's so much better, you've gotta take it on squat. But I don't think any of these people are like squat specialists either. Gavin Gavin frankly to me, Gavin is the strongest person going in. Yeah, well, yeah, and Gavin's squat, on, too, wins. kind of surpasses Keiko. Because Keiko's, what, a 300 to 305 squat? Yeah. Gavin's yeah, about... at Sheffield. He's kind what, of been stuck around there lately. Oh, we think Gavin's about 315 to 320 pretty consistently? Oh, no, higher than that. Three, three, 325 to 330. Right, I apologize. 325 to 330. Okay, so that, that to me is like, Gavin can afford to miss a little bit on the squat, or Keiko, if he misses a squat, then... He might be done. He's got the bench to make up for it, but... Well, this is true, because we saw that at Sheffield, right? Like, Keiko misses third squat, and then... If Gavin would hit, if Gavin in. gets that challenge... Yes. Yeah, then we're, we're having a completely different like, conversation as far as... I, mean, I don't know about entirely, but I would agree, Steve, that Gavin is the strongest going in. Yeah, I think Gavin is the strongest. I think it's his to lose. Um, and then, I think... 
Emil's in the picture. I just don't know how much he can go over what he did last year because I think he's finally building momentum again. I think if he had another three or four months, he could build and be in the same picture. So I think he's kind of a little bit on the outside looking in, especially since he doesn't have like a trump card uh, to be able to pull last and then do what he needs. I, I mean, that's how he got it last year, though, is Keiko missing and kind of sneaking in there in the second. So, I mean, if, if Emil just kind of plays his cards and you see Gavin, Gustav, or Keiko missing lifts, trying to pull in the first, Emil very well could just kind of play it safe, go nine for nine and sneak into the second or third. I think that could very well happen. But I, I look at top end, I honestly think Gavin has is the strongest, Gustav is the second strongest, and Keiko is the third strongest. But... Keiko is the best meet day performer and usually hits lifts. Mm -hmm. And that's where that kind of offsets the fact that I think Gustav and Gavin are stronger. Gustav, the last two worlds in a row has had issues on deadlift and it has not showed up. Gavin has had issues on squat depth and then that being an issue. So that's where it evens it out where even though I think they're stronger, I think Keiko tends just to hit lifts. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's always a scouting report on Keiko. He is, one of, and I've said it many times on the show, and I'm going to continue to say it, the most battle-tested power lifter on the... He just is in so many weight class battles. He's challenged from so many different people, too. It's one thing if it's one other person where you kind of know, like, okay, this is where they struggle with. It's so many different people, and it's also different types of people, too. Like, Chance Mitchell is a deadlift specialist. He's one-to-one against him. But then you have guys like Gavin and Aiden, who are Gavin and Gustav, who are, you know, just very similar lifters to him. Where it's I prefer Gavin and Aiden. Gavin and Aiden, I like that. Yeah, Gavin and Aiden. <laughs> you can tell we've been talking for three and a half, or yeah, three, and three hours and thirteen minutes and counting. But yeah, I say that like I don't always misspeak. But um, yeah, Gavin and Gustav, which are you know very similar type of lifters in their skill sets, and he was able to beat them. Like Keiko's got a win against all these guys, which is crazy. And that's and they're close and. It's one thing, like, Russ kicks our ass every year, but he always kicks our ass, right? Like, he's he's out, he beats us by, like, 20 kilos or 15 kilos. Keiko has won the weight class so many times, like, nationally and internationally, you know, and it's been so close to those guys. It's crazy. It's not an easy thing to do. Is, are, are, we, are we done with analysis here? Want to want to jump? I think so. For the, I mean, I could rattle off some numbers of what they've done in training, but I pretty much, I mean, again, they all stack up pretty much smack dab on the same exact total area, and it's just who do you think's making lists and who do you think has the top end? So yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, we could go on and on about some numbers, but it doesn't really change too much because any. I think anyone who says they know who's going to win this would be wrong. I mean, it's really just a matter of opinion of of what you're going to take in regards to execution versus top end strength versus how training is going and whatnot. So. All right, let's do it. Do I start this time? Go for I'll it. go. Okay. I was trying to, I was trying to keep, no, you started last time. I'll go then. But yeah. I'm trying okay. to keep something going like a, a trend. Okay. I, I think in the first time in my podcasting career, I could even be wrong about this. I'm picking against Jonathan Keiko and I'm going Gavin Aiden. Also is Gavin, Representing United States? Yep. How the hell does that work? What do you mean? Did he do nationals? Yes. Yeah. He did? Wait, no. No, he, <laughs> he did Sheffield. Sheffield. No, Sheffield, he Sheffield, did. Sheffield. But he was representing he America at Sheffield? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, that's cool. I was just like, because Gavin, yeah, him in that USA singlet's way better than the USVI singlet. Gavin needs to be forever in the U.S. singlet. 
I would never want to see that again. The graphic they use on IPF was him in the USVI single, and I never want to see that. Gavin at number one. Um, Keiko, I have number two. And then third, I'm going to go Emil Krastev. Yay. I have Jonathan Keiko taking first. Gavin Aiden overshooting something. Something happened with the squat. Something happened. You have, been, you have been, in the history of Two My Lights, you've been ruthless towards Gavin. You told yes. him to go work at Starbucks last year. Who has she been more ruthless against, Gavin or Sean? Has she told has she told Sean to go and pick another profession <laughs> because of his heart? She said that last year. Yeah, I think I, think <laughs> I might win with Gavin, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, Sean thinks he's saying he just is always going to lose, but Gavin, he has, like, picked out insults towards him. I'm just saying I have yet to be wrong about either. Anywho, so Jonathan Kiko, Gavin Aiden, and I'll get third place to Gustav. All right. Steve? All right. I'm going Gavin first. I think he picks the right attempt on squat, and that's going to give him, between that and bench, give him the subtotal lead he needs to, to take whatever he needs on depth to solidify it. Keiko second, uh, and then Gustav third. But frankly, that's – I don't mind the Emil third thing because I think that either Keiko or Gustav is likely going to miss, and if Emil just goes nine for nine, he's going to sneak his way in again. But I'm, I'm going to stick. Uh, I'm going to stick for the sake of it. I'm going to go Keiko second, Gustav third. All right. Yeah. It's it's going to be a great battle. Um, also, just really quick, I usually don't talk about my profession on the podcast, but I want to point out something that makes me very happy. My students who do follow powerlifting, favorite lifter Jonathan Keiko. And it makes, brings a smile to my face because I'm like, excellent pick. It's all because of the famous Gavin Aiden, Jonathan Keiko meme. So that meme from Sheffield, they go and they research, you know, follow Jonathan Keiko. And they're like, oh, and then I followed him. He's a really cool guy. And like, oh, that's so nice to hear. So, yeah, I, I would just one not expect that after Sheffield, like, Jonathan Keiko being the person I hear the most like in just casual conversations with other people I'm like oh my god all right so the sport is progressing and I'm, I'm very happy because yeah one, one of my favorite lifters as well in spite of me picking against him just now but um all right yeah we're gonna see how that all plays out and moving on 105 kilo weight class have ourselves a pretty good matchup kind of slept down a little bit in my opinion because Going in, all right. So going into this, who would you pick as your favorite? Well, that's the thing. I think it's being slept on because Anatoly is by far and away the favorite now. Yeah, uh, it's it's a bit more interesting if it was Emil Abdullah Muhammad, Michael Davis, and Abdul Salyamon. But the fact that Anatoly is back and he just totaled nine forty kilos of that Ukraine meat, uh, I I don't really think it's gonna be that close. I think he's probably going to, I think he's got it. I, I don't, Emil Norling is the only one kind of within reach, but Emil is, is he's, he's always up and down. He tends to have a good meet and then two down meets and then another good meet. I don't know. I, I think Anatoly likely is got to be the heavy favorite here. Yeah. And I, I think based on just like the first impression here, you look at nominated totals. And the reason why I bought this up is because Anatoly had a rather strange 2022 an unfortunate 2022 with his, you know, um, obligation to his country. 
Um, so that's kind of like that's why the one hundred five to me is kind of just all over because I. But the one thing I feel like more people should be excited to watch Anatoly compete because that was someone I think was robbed from us last year, especially with the Sheffield. Like if he throw you throw him into Sheffield, you know we're talking about Anatoly really at a uh, at a, a, a different level. So. Mm-hmm. That's well, Anatoly, if Anatoly qualifies and he doesn't up the record by anything significant. I think he could be a favorite for Sheffield next year for sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. just excited to have him back. <laughs> yeah, it's it's and also this weight class is always just interesting because it's um I think um a lot of times it could be the powerlifters weight class too because they're all just so much stronger than the field. You know, like 105 kilos is. I always, when we talked about, it, I think in 2022, it's like the perfect weight class. They're big, they're muscular, and they throw up, they put up heavy weights that everyone can respect being, that's really, really heavy stuff. You know, like with the 83s, it's when the heavyweights like, okay, you got the middleweights are, they're strong for their size. You don't say that about 105s, but it's a perfect cutoff where you can acknowledge their size and strength. Well, it tends to be the weight class where there's no longer after that there tends. I mean, unless you're Jesus Oliveira, there tends to start be a drop off on deadlift. Mm-hmm. Uh, one hundred five yeah. is kind of the peak. Well, frankly, until Jesus, one hundred five is is usually been the best deadlifters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then their squat. I mean, squat and bench always goes up with weight, but deadlift tends to have a tipping point where after the one hundred fives it starts going down. So one hundred five kind of in in the sense of like complete well roundedness, kind of is the peak of powerlifting in sense. Yeah, and we, I mean, we see that. I mean, especially if you take Anatoly and you throw him in with Bob and Ash and Keenan. Uh, yeah, it's just it's, all of them. None of them have like a weak lift because it's just it, it's the weight class where you can you can show out all three. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And um, so a lifter I had great interest in, Michael Davis, Mikey D. What do you, what are you guys seeing in his training right now? He hasn't been posting a lot. I feel like. Yeah. It, it all looks good, but I, I feel like he might be hiding something, or I don't know. But it, it's it's hard to kind of pull off of anything from his training to say it's going to be significantly better or like predict much outside of the fact that like over and over we've been kind of waiting for his deadlift to translate because we know he has more on deadlift and just kind of hasn't translated to meet day yet. Well, the switch. I mean, he's he's made that switch from hook to mixed, and that learning that leverage is a little bit different and takes a little bit longer. Um, but I still think it's a good move. Like, you know, hook grip was kind of failing him for a little bit. And I think that move to mixed grip works. Uh, yeah. And I would agree. Uh, but also like I'm looking at Mikey's training and Emil's training. How do, what do you think Sheffield plays an effect on what their progression is looking like? Do you think it'll have much of an effect? Because I'm just saying there's a weird thing that, there's certain like based on certain listeners' performances, it wouldn't have that big of an effect. But in the case of Mikey and Emil, I think it would. The- also, Emil kind of mentioned like an adductor thing, right? So yeah, Emil mentioned an injury, and that was my biggest kind of downtick on him. Um, I don't think so. Though. I mean, Emil had his best meet like just a couple like three or four months after Worlds because he did Worlds and it was okay last year and he won, but it, it wasn't like a, a huge huge performance. Wait, right, no, maybe it was two years ago. Either way, there was a couple of years. At one point, he did Worlds and then his best meet came when he did Euros just a couple like months later. So, yeah, what was but the turnaround I, I mean, for Sheffield? What you say? What was the turnaround for Sheffield? Weeks wise, was it fourteen from Euros? No, uh, Sheffield to Worlds this year. 
Was it 13, 12 weeks? Something like, like that. 12. Okay. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know, like, you, this is just a dumb take. Like, it could be smart, it could be bad, I have no idea. Do you think the turnaround would affect bigger guys more than it would affect the middleweight to lightweight lifters? Depends on I their training. Generally, too. yeah. Well, right. think back to Ashton, though. Okay, well, yeah, I but mean, Ashton, though, meal, has some problems hitting lifts sometimes. Uh, let's use a meal, because like I said, he competes often, it's a lot of up and down. He hits 912.5 at Worlds. He then competes at the Europeans at hits 907. He then competes with Swedish nationals, hits 928. And all of these are within like three or four months of each other. And then he goes to Sheffield and does 915. So he kind of has, he, he competes every three or four months. So that's nothing new for him. Okay. I, I think that, that would be normal to a lot of lifters then. Just, I don't know. It's one of those things that you think about, but you have no data to really pull off of. And even if it matters, because I mean, the logic for me is like, they just lift heavier weights. That's tough to do. Well, and they taper more. Yeah, no, that too. Like yeah. the bigger the the bigger the lifter, the more you're typically tapering. So the more it kind of takes back to get in the training. Versus a lot of like lighter weight lifters, they're really not tapering hardly at all, and so they can kind of roll into training the next week like they didn't miss a beat. But yeah, I mean, I mean, my biggest knock on Emil going in is the is him posting about the adductor issue outside of anything else. I mean, he hasn't really posted that much training. Just like Mikey hasn't posted much training. The Abdullah, Muhammad, Amid, Muhammad, both me and me and Solana said maybe that's a fake nomination. Like I don't I don't see anywhere he has these numbers. So he's, uh, I really think it's more Amid. Where it's, is it Libya? Where he's from? Something like that. Libya. Abdullah. Yeah, Libya. Um, Alright, Libya. Libya. Correct me if I'm wrong, they're I don't know, this could be totally bad journalism. They're, aren't they known to be pretty bad with drug testing? Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> So, yeah. So, I mean, it's more, I, I, I don't know what he's going to do. Maybe he shocks everyone, but, but Abdul Mahid Salimhan, the, the, the wild card that got in the last second to Sheffield, he's probably more in the picture there if, if Emil, yeah. ex- I think more so, Emil, I don't think Mikey's going to slip up. I think Mikey at minimum can replicate what he did at Sheffield and possibly uh, improve the deadlift. Uh, my bigger question is, what does Emil show up with and can Abdul, uh, Salimon be able to chip that and work his way into third place. We've got quarantine Clement too. Honestly, I feel like his training his squat looks really good. I feel like he's not posting. <laughs> Excuse me. He's not really posting deadlift and he doesn't usually hide training. And usually when he doesn't post, it means something's not going well. So he got kind of, from what I remember, he got a little bit nerfed at the, at the last meet he did because it looks like they kind of came down on the squat and he had to change it a little bit. Was that Euros? Yeah, and he, I don't think he's changed that either. So if they're gonna if they're gonna be strict on it, he's gonna get called on it. So well, I think they were strict at that meet, and it knocked down his total because he didn't squat nearly as much. So I see. that's a, that's just what I remember. I remember being there. There was a pretty big disparity. No, Europe, he was fine at Euros. Then one, one was I remember something along the lines. Was Pana, Pana was the one that really got hit. Well, no, I mean I remember Pana. But and I, I was, remember, and, I, and we talked. I was shocked that if Pana got hit, but Quarantine didn't because Quarantine is one of the worst, in my opinion, with that like uh, overly low bar, overhinged starting position. And I was shocked that he had no issues and Pana did. Yeah, I mean, it will, I mean, if if he's on, then yeah, he he can. I, I think find himself possibly in the top three. 
So yeah, hell of a meet. He's, he's, he's quarantine's just kind of been that. I mean, he's he's done eight ninety five three out of his last four meets, so he's just kind of in that realm. Where like that's where I said if Emil does is if Emil's actually decently injured, I I mean Abdul or quarantine can kind of work into it. I think more so. I think Abdul could do it. So. But yeah, I mean, I would love to see a three-way battle. I just, I just don't know if we're really going to get it. I think Anatoly is going to be kind of out on his own. I think Mikey is, I mean, I'm just kind of giving my picks, but it's also just kind of my breakdown of things. I think Mikey's going to get second. I think he's going to finally break through and beat Emil. They've been really close, but just kind of knowing that I think Mikey's healthy, even though I don't think he's posting all his training, I think it's going really well. And I think Emil is just kind of getting a little bit beat up because like, this will be his like his fourth or fifth meet in a matter, like fifth meet in a year or something. So for a heavy guy, it's just a lot. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, might as well do it now. Right. So you just gave yours. Um, for me, I'm going to probably echo it. Anatoly, I like Mikey in second, and then third, I'll go Emil. All right, I'll go Anatoly, and then I'll go Emil, and then Mikey. Yeah. All right, well, there you have it for 105s. Looking forward to that. You always get some, you know, just incredible lifts, incredibly, you know, jacked, strong individuals. And the first person that comes to mind when I think about that is C.B. Leffler. Definitely. When I think of somebody with some with some size on him, with with some with some impressive lifts, if he ever competes, and also how 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 do you even see his thighs when he is just sporting cake nonstop <laughs> all day every day? It's in hard. Those sad strength apparel Leffler row shorts. Yeah. Well, I can't. I mean, I, you know what the thing is? It's not even in those shorts most of the time. But now with those shorts, we know it's going to be even better. And that collab is going to be great. And also, in the meantime, go to leftlarbros.com. Make sure you are buying all the merchandise you can from Leftlar Bros. Use promo code 2WL15, Orc15, Solana15. Get yourself some Leftlar Bros merchandise. Look good from head to toe, in the gym, out the gym. They'll make you look good no matter what. And also, yeah, that collab. Make sure you guys are on the lookout for that. Use our promo codes heavily. It's arguably the best collab in powerlifting. Name me a better name, name me a better duo right now. I can't. You couldn't. See? Nope. Steve, how about you? Want to take a stab at it? I got I got nothing. Yeah, I didn't think so either. So use that promo code. Use all of our promo codes. Make sure you go to leftlarbros.com. Also, give them a follow on Instagram. Check out what they have to drop. And also, you get those updates on when those drops yeah. are actually it's, coming. It's dropping on CB's birthday, too. That's when it's they're actually releasing. So we got to make sure that we support CB. Um, I don't think he's doing really well. He, he's been out of work for the last five or six years. And so he started Left Lar Bros to really support his family. And so for a birthday <laughs> present, we should really help him out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All the time in the world, CB has. Uh, <laughs> all right. So next up. I hesitated there because I didn't want to repeat a last episode where I just completely skipped over weight class. But we are at 120 kilos. Yes, we are. All right, so 120 kilos. What are you guys thinking? It's the Tony Cliff show. Yeah, this 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 one was pretty much Tony Cliff is going to win and then a little bit of a battle for second and third. It's unfortunately, I mean, yeah. It's, it's kind, kind of, of a weird weight class. It's like a weight class in flux. Yeah. Well, I mean, just I mean, just in general, we're going to get to the 120 plus. That's not really a no. super intriguing weight class other than Jesus. Jesus is just kind of in his own world. But yeah, you got Tony. You got Tony likely winning. 
But this, this class has been weird. Multiple years in a row, this class has been incredibly weird because a lot of people from countries who are not renowned in powerlifting seem to come from this weight class uh, or come out or compete in this weight class. And so we have, like last year, you got, uh, who's currently nominated third, I believe, Mohammed Sahad. He won. I don't think any of us even talked about him on the preview. And he won. Nope, we did not. So, yep. we could be very wrong. But in my opinion, you got Tony first, and then you got Indraj Singh Dilan. Might be saying it wrong with the Bearded Warrior versus Mohammed Sahad, and maybe Nicholas Peru coming in in that in that two through four spot. Why? Why is isn't it one twenty just seemingly always that weight class, or at least in the, since like you know uh, Dennis unofficially retired from the sport? Yeah. I haven't seen him in a while. It's just, it just always it's seems an, the way with this weight class. Well, it's because it's because of natural powerlifting. It's an odd weight class. It's not really a weight like if you go to the untested side, one twenties is incredibly competitive and like one of the more stacked classes. It's just not real. Like one twenties is what happens when ninety three kilo and one hundred five lifters, one hundred five lifters take steroids. That's what happens and becomes a one twenty lifter. Good point. Right. It's just it's just. I mean, Rondell is kind of the outlier because I'll even use Dennis. Like Dennis was obviously great, uh, but Rondell is a perfect one twenty er because. He's not really overweight. He's no. just kind of built and Big. tall and just proportions for this class. That's why he's so good. And like, if he was here, he, he'd win. Uh, he's, he's arguably the best. He's going to be the best 120 ever. Um, it, it's just kind of an odd class where either you're 105 because that's kind of where the most people kind of end up naturally, or you're just the big freak and you're, you're Ray and Jesus and you're 120 plus, And that that's kind of like the extreme outliers. Okay. All right, that is a good explanation of things. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, it's it's still a weight class. It will it's because you go on IPF and they're making graphics. I think the only two weight classes they decided not to make graphics for were one twenty and one twenty plus. Did no Jesus graphic? No. Well, I mean, I'm sure they're eventually. I mean, they can't. It'll be weird look. Them, but. It'll be a weird look at the federations. Like, Jesus, you're getting your own graphic. Yeah. Everyone else? With, with Jesus, it might make sense, though. Sure, but it is it's it is one of those, because they said, it's like it's like a social media land thing. You set a precedent of something. So you're making these graphic comparisons with everyone, right? And then all of a sudden you're just like, um, okay, we're just going to do one with Jesus and none but the 120s. So that's, yeah, that's that, that's kind of what I was looking at there. And I, I mean, I would agree with you as far as, um, Tony Cliff. Yep. I can't really give, he, he's a private account, so I really can't give much on this training. Uh, for Indiraj and Muhammad, uh, Muhammad's a private account too, so yep. can't really give much on his training. Uh, with the Bearded Warrior, Indiraj, his training looks good. Uh, he's not really posting any of his top sets, though, so can't really say too much. For Nicholas Peyrood, He's posting a little bit more, but honestly, I didn't feel like any of his training indicated that he was going to have a big uptick over his last meet in November. So that's where it was a bit hard for me to predict him over what Indiraj and Mohammed uh, Sahad's already done. So, okay, all right, guys, jump into predictions or anything else yeah, you guys want to throw in there? I'm ready. All right, Solana, you can start. All right, Tony Cliff for first place. 
I'll give Mohammed Sahad second and Indiraj Singh Delon third. Okay. I'm say, saying the exact same Tony, Mohammed, and Indiraj. Um, oh, yeah. I'll go Tony, Indiraj, Mohammed. Um, and Indiraj, how, how can you not pick him? That is just an uh, intimidating man right there. Looks looks friendly enough, but that is a, that's if I envision a powerlifter, I envision Indiraj. So, all right. Now, on to the super heavies. Um, kind of talked about it being the Jesus Oliveira show. Um, and, right, like... It's um it's a bit of a different scenario because Jesus is kind of since Sheffield taken on this I think position of powerlifting where he is slowly turning into the face of powerlifting. I I think he is kind of being put on the forefront. Everyone is in awe of what he did at Sheffield. Um, his training is just so ridiculous right now, though. I mean. All right, let's start the conversation there. Can he top what he did at Sheffield? Based on what you see, I believe so. And my big question is: do, Will he try for like the squat record here, or like hold off? Uh, the squat record? How yeah, far? Is, squat record's still gonna be tough, right? How close? No, because I think Ray's ten fifty two. Like it's not ten eighty. Ten eighty is what he did at, at the Arnold. The Arnold. Yeah, okay. But was that Arnold? Let me look. I'll I'll do uh I think it's only ten fifty two. Only. Okay. <laughs> only, only, yeah, only ten fifty two. But I mean I mean, again, this kind of goes back to the same thing with Amanda, like uh, does he have anything to gain? I mean, yeah, it would be really cool, maybe like but I don't I don't know if he what would benefit him of trying to break his record when it would serve him better to save it for Sheffield? Yeah, considering it's his record, right? Amanda's, it's her record. Jesus is his record. Delaney, it's not his record, right? So, like, that's the only incentive I can think of just going all out at this meet and further pushing the best total of all time. But at the same time, it's Jesus Oliveras. Talk about Delaney Wallace having that dog in him. Jesus Oliveras has got two, two dogs in him. He's just a, an incredibly competitive, driven, motivated person who wants to keep on pushing the standard. And you can talk to the guy. He would just love to take the all-time rap record, too, while he's at it. And he, he's pushing hard in training. I think he just hit a PR double. Um, I know he was pushing deadlift. He had a pretty epic deadlift session with uh, Ashton. So I don't know. Maybe he's going to push. I just, I, I, I it, it's kind of hard to be able to say. I mean, I, I think the main thing I would say is his squat and his bench at Sheffield were hard. Like they were, they were difficult. Like yeah. he didn't have much more. Deadlift, outside of the fact that it got called, moved easy. Albeit, I think he's going to be someone that we don't see him ever grind out a deadlift. I think if he grinds out a deadlift, it means he's going to miss. I think they're all going to look uh, He'll easy. miss right at top because yeah. they don't give him. You'll miss right at top because yeah. they won't give him the down command. Yep. So I think maybe he chips down. I, I, he can chip his total. I can see it 100%. Um, I just don't know if he would want to because he's going to yeah. win by he's gonna win by over like over 100 kilos. Well, yeah, but I think I think he would. I think he would try. I mean, chipping his totals, one thing, I I don't know. I think he can go. I, I 
I don't know if chipping the totals there, like chipping it might not be good enough. Go further, go beyond, and then you possibly have a dip, you know, uh, a, a setback performance if you can call it even that. Uh, but I, I like that's the unless he doesn't fully say it, I can't buy that Jesus Oliveros isn't going to go all out for a meet. Some, I say he chips his. Some total, people are just wired but, different. But he still goes right underneath the squat record at 1052. I double checked 1052. Just for Sheffield. And yeah. I think that might be what happens. It, still and I'll say it. Total. I mean, I think I've already alluded. I think I talked about this on last podcast when we talked about the Perk era. If Jesus, honestly, if he even gets close to his total, but if he chips the total at this meet, I'm already solidifying him as the GOAT of tested powerlifting. Yeah, I've done. I thought, yeah, I thought you did that anyway with his last meet. Uh, I mean, I was already, I was, I'm, they, I'm getting there. I need one more meet, which I think is going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And if it's this meet or it's next Sheffield, it's just going to be solidified. So whenever he wants to do it, yeah, I would just already mark it down. Greatest tested power lifter of all time. All right. Okay. That's fair. And I, I mean, even I, I think, I still think the argument still stands. He's just so young that that's the, I think that's the only thing. It's just like the longevity isn't proven, but um, this might be ultra mean thing to say right now. Um, and also just based on my stature, but the other lifters in this weight class, where do you see that? I mean, I, I, I unless yeah, Casey's bombs out, no, but frankly, the only other person, well, I said frankly and pun intended, the only other heavyweight in the world that even is comparable is in the USAPL and Frank Allen. That's actually something I forgot to talk about last episode and i meant to uh frank allen is insane i can't see anything but all right <laughs> sorry solana is going to the screen i mean you could screenshot it send it, it was just a bad glare That's what i'm doing okay thank you <laughs> all right solana's trying to send us inside information yeah there's just not really any other uh 120 pluses in the ipf that are it goes back to comparison they're strong but jesus just kind of makes it not look as impressive. I mean, you got Tamer. I can't even say his last name. He's prop. Well, you got Tamer and Sink Kosak both coming in around similar totals. Mm-hmm. I would love to say Sink could do well. I have picked him over and over again, and every year he does not do well at Worlds. Was it a 120, though? Yeah, I about to say, this year he, he doesn't to, have to cut. Was he, he 120? Used, he used to be 120. Yeah, he used to be 120. I don't know. I'm losing faith there. Well, all right, but um, I've if also you're... heard I've also heard things about the country he comes from, um, and yeah, the situations I there. Yeah, I've I've heard I've heard not so great things there. But my thing here is, I mean, you still can't. Sank is a good lifter, right? But when you're a 120 and then you decide to compete super heavyweight, it's not one of those. It's I think only one guy could really do that, and that was Dennis. And he was still so far behind Ray Williams' weight. It's just you're not even playing the same sport at that point. You're you're a heavy. If you're a heavy one twenty, that make that possibly puts you in like the worst situation in the IPF. Because then you have to compete against guys who are just so much bigger than you. Jesus is not a heavy one twenty. He's no has no chance of being a 120, right? So yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, this guy's maybe with his size. He, no, you're not gonna be. 
<laughs> Ray Williams, Jesus Oliveira. The only guy that I saw who can actually like possibly match up with Ray Williams was Dennis Cornelius. Yeah, oh, so. uh, not uh, Dennis or no? There's Blaine Sumner. Oh, Blaine Sumner. Yeah, Blaine Sumner. Well, Blaine Sumner won. T- no, I'm, I'm saying from the 120 kilo weight class. Blaine Sumner was oh, okay, not. Okay. That's my point no. too. Uh, and when you see Dennis in person and then put him next to Blaine Sumner, it's like, what? Like they're just totally different people. They're, and even if Dennis is comes in at one twenty five, one thirty, he's just not even close. Yeah, we had we had that. I mean, it was never really. A, I mean, Blaine beat Ray that one year, and then after that, it was kind of like a it was Ray versus uh, Kelly Branton that lasted like a year or two before Kelly popped. So yeah, Jesus wins, and then it's it's second through fourth is Tamer Sink and uh, Shawram Saki. Saki. He yes. hasn't had a total posted since 2021, but I mean, if he hits the total he's got, he's he's in the cards. If he does more, I I I have no idea what to expect. Absolutely no idea about him. No posts. Nothing to go off of. Uh, no, but, that's like the yeah. theme of this whole weight class, besides Jesus. <laughs> No yeah, there's there literally literally nothing. No, I mean, some of these people didn't have open powerlifting. None of them had Instagrams. It was basically, oh, we know what Jesus is doing. The rest are just nominations, and I can look kind of. Maybe some of them can't even look at their open powerlifting. Some of them I can. So I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, internationally too. I mean, America produces big, big men. You know, the Norwegian yes. countries do too. Um, but like. When you go and try to pick out from other people's nationals, they're just not putting a person who's 120 kilos. And also, when you, I don't even know if this has a factor because it could happen in other countries. But like, if you look at Jesus Oliveras, you're like, why would I go to Malta and just have absolutely no chance? Like, some people might have that, but other like, I know some lifters are kind of in that same realm of just not having an opportunity to even come close to winning so okay well i mean predictions yeah i'll go out on a, i'll go out on a limb and say jesus is gonna win that's brave tamer second and then i'll take sharam in third you're just so <laughs> you refuse to have taken yeah you're just you're just I'm so you're just so uh you know bitten snake bitten by sink this is this is like fantasy football first round picks getting hurt like two years in a row and you refuse to draft them ever again even if they are going to be the best possible pick you can have. Yeah, Adrian Peterson after that knee injury, I'm just not picking him ever. It's over. And then like he has like two MVP years after that. Um, I'll go. I mean, just to I'll go. I'll go. Jesus first, Sank second, and Teamer third. All right, I go Jesus first. I'll go Sank second. Tamir. Third. All right, and righty. Uh, should we do best overall lifter country? Yeah, I think I think we're heavily on the USA bandwagon. Yep. Yeah, that I think that one's pretty easy. That's not really a competition. Well, let's hope. You know, I'm still that's still knock on wood. I want to. I don't want any you know bomb outs and jinxes happening. But uh, best overall lifter though. Gavinated. All right. Okay. I was going to the math. I did the math because Taylor. I think Taylor's second, or it could be it could be Keiko. Or really, I, whoever the best lifter I think is going to come from the uh, uh, the ninety threes. If it's if it's Taylor, it could be Taylor, and he's got a total probably eight ten plus. 
So if Taylor Tunnel's 810 plus, it's going to be Taylor then. If not, it's going to be 93s. I know Galip Points hates bigger people. Where's Jesus falling? Not good. Okay. He's not. Right. I, I think know. Jesus does better with Dots and Wilkes. No, of course. Dots, Dots I'd Dots be picking sure. Jesus. Dots I'd be picking Jesus, no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. Wow, no, no if ands. I don't do any calculator. Yeah, you know, I don't calculate any of this. I just go Waskar, based on vibes. Waskar gets screwed too because of Sergei. Yeah, I just go based on vibes when I do best lifter. I don't, I don't, I don't calculate anything. So I'm going based on vibes on Atoli. Dang. Based on vibes alone. Vibes alone. All about them vibes. Yep. No data. I mean, All righty. I don't. We know finished it. Marathon. Uh, Solana you just goes skipped over Solana. If he's taking too long. <laughs> oh, my it's thought, okay. Solana. Go, Solana. Go, you're on the spot. I don't know who to choose. Well, <laughs> I didn't do any calculations. I mean, we gave you two, potentially. But I can't say Gavin, can I? I pick, give him a second. Well, then don't pick Gavin. Okay, what? <laughs> There's one. Jonathan can't go. Well, there you go. Then Jonathan can't go Okay. I mean, yeah. All right, well, yeah, that does it. Um, I think the longest we've sat down... For uh, podcast episodes, this is going to be split into two. You got a lot to listen to, ladies and gentlemen. We took a little bit of a break, but these recaps, you're going to get about four hours worth of content. Listen to it, enjoy it, and also enjoy IPF Worlds. Um, deep, deep IPF Worlds. Enjoy your days. What's the time zone difference? It's in the summer, and I'm six not competing. Hour, six, hour, six hours from Central. Okay. Nice. Not bad. Because Waskar competes at 9 a.m. Malta time, and I will be waking up at 2 a.m. Okay, that's actually pretty bad. Never nice. mind. Like, Sean Jin just competed. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Versus Natalie, there's prime, there's evening. Three sessions. hours. Natalie's not three, competing three until 7 p.m. her time, so it's 1, or maybe 6 p.m., so it's 12 p.m. our time. Well, that's so. pretty sweet. Okay. Well, you know, it's summer. We're back into... We're finally back into regular IPF worlds. We had it in the fall where I couldn't watch any of it when it was in Sweden. Um, we have nationals going on the same time. And also we have, or now we have a finally just normal regular IPF world. So excited for it. Thank you for tuning in to Two White Lights. Thank you, Solana and Steve, for taking four hours of your time and doing this preview. And we'll see you guys next week with, I think, a recap, which should be shorter than this episode. Maybe. I think so. We'll see. I think. We'll see, like, in a, a week and a half. We can have I will already, if you made it this late. long, I will already say if uh, I have two world champions, the start of the recap will just be me screaming. <laughs> just scr- uh, Wait, did we get a commercial gem story? No! It's four hours oh. done. <laughs> We're done. Wait, no, really? this week. Two hours each. This week is so low. No, it's it's so long. No, <laughs> save it. Do you want me to give you a quick ten second one from this yes, week? Yes. yes, from this week. You're yeah. at commercial gym still. I was at a commercial gym. Oh, commercial gym. I go to to do my bodybuilding accessory stuff, and this one dude who just slams everything all the time slammed the tr- he was doing tricep press downs with maybe half the stack slammed it and i see literally the bolts at the bottom fly off he sees it 
steps over it so he can go to the machine shrug and starts doing it. So I went straight to the staff, brought him over, pointed right to it, and then stared straight at the guy while I was alerting the people of it, and he just ignored it completely. He had no care in the world. Yeah. Well, I actually, I think you should go to Commercial Gym Story, Steve, just to keep, like, research fresh. Just like that's the only reason to go to commercial gym stories to see if you can get or to get more gyms stories. to go it's to really, get stories. It's actually, it's actually really hard to get them unless you man like because most of my commercial oh, gym yeah. stories come from when I managed the gym, not when I was just a trainer. Because I didn't know like half the stuff that happened when I was just a trainer. When you manage, you get to know everything that happens. When I when when I went to a commercial gym, I kind of just didn't know anything. I was just doing my own thing, and then once I made friends with the personal trainers and the staff, then they would tell me all the crazy stuff that goes on. I'm like. And then, like, I'm like, what? I didn't know this about this person. They're crazy. And it's like, that's what goes on in the tanning room? I never went in there because I don't want to tan. But apparently some crazy stuff's going oh. on. If you say you don't go in there, I'm... You never know that one time we tanned together. Well, that was us. I don't go alone. That's, that's what I was getting at there. But, all right. Thank you for the short commercial gym story. I'm... I gotta edit this stuff, so I'm I, I gotta I gotta go. I wanna I wanna All drop right. this tomorrow. Alright. See you guys next week. Peace.